This podcast, number 854, with Jason Forrest, is brought to you by Stephen Kotler, author of a new book entitled The Art of Impossible, A Peak Performance Primer. Stephen Kotler is one of the foremost authorities on flow and peak performance. In my interview with Stephen, we discuss the elements that are required to attain peak performance. To learn more about Stephen Kotler and his new book, please visit his website at stephenkotler.com. That's S-T-E-V-E-N-K-O-T-L-E-R.com. And now for a featured podcast, please listen to my interview with Jason Forrest about his new book entitled, The Mindset of a Sales Warrior. Happy listening and thank you. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And joining me from Dallas today is Jason Forrest. And Jason has a new book out called The Mindset of a Sales Warrior. I got to get it straight, Jason. Um, you know, I actually found Jason on LinkedIn. I always like to let my listeners know kind of where these authors come from because uh, this week alone, I've done six interviews already, um, and we're at 900, pushing 900 interviews. But I loved, you know, when you go to your LinkedIn page, and I saw this book, and I saw you, I saw an opportunity because you're doing something unique that many sales training organizations have not focused on, and that's what caught my attention. And we address an audience of people that are in mid and upper management who listen to this show, about 300,000 that are constantly looking for new ways. And I always like to expose those uh, to the listeners. So I'm going to let my listeners know a bit about you. Jason is the nation's foremost expert in the mindset of the top 1% sales exponential sales growth, leadership development, and leading edge sales innovation. He is one of the world's only master practitioners in neuro-linguistic programming. And that caught me as well because I've gone through training there and the science and influence of behavior change and psychology. And as the founder and CEO of FPG, which you can go to their website, it's FP. G, right? Jason, uh, I want to make sure fpg.com. It's pretty uh, simple. And you'll see a picture of him and his lovely wife, Mary Marshall Forrest. He couldn't do this without her, I guarantee you, because as many of the videos that appear uh, that they've got up there are joint videos. Uh, She's in many of them as well. So she's quite the sales trainer as well. Uh, and I always like to give a shout out, even though the book only has you on it, it, it probably should have your wife on it as well. Um, so uh, he's also the founder and CEO of FPG, FPG and named the nation's fastest growing sales training company by Inc. Magazine for four consecutive years. That's a quite an accomplishment, Jason. Congratulations to you. He's delivered more than... Um, 90 keynotes every year and has trained thousands of salespeople and leaders on how to build mental toughness, create breakthroughs, and earn what they truly are worth. And, you know, I work with sales professionals, so I know the issue, Jason, and the issue 
Frequently is an issue of build, uh, how do they build trust with their customers and how do they do lots of things that they need to do. But I'd say one of it is really around trust and transparency, the two T's um, that sometimes I talk about. But I like the way you started your book. And you, were, you wrote at the beginning of the book that you were finishing your senior year at college and you were in a marketing class. And all of us know that people like to separate marketing and sales but I just had Scott Miller on here from Franklin Covey speaking about ma- um, marketing mess to brand success. And he said at Franklin Covey, the sales leader and the marketing person worked hand in hand. And the reality is if they didn't, it wasn't successful. Because if the marketing person didn't know what the sales person people were doing, it, was, it, it didn't work. Right. And I think that's important. And you said um, someone in the class asked your professor, what about a career in sales? And his response was sales is not a place for a college graduate. And I think that really just oomped you. I got from the feeling from the book. It was like, well, this guy was giving salespeople because your dad owned a jewelry store and he had always been in sales and he'd been quite successful. And it was almost like this professor was downing salespeople, which was not the thing to do, because look what happened to you. And this statement hit you pretty hard. Um, And what would you tell someone seeking a career in sales today? Because you had this impetus from somebody who said, no, you're in a marketing class. You shouldn't be a salesperson. You're like, I want to be, somebody wants to be a salesperson. And hey, there's a lot of people out there who end up in sales by accident, Right. It wasn't an on purpose thing. What would you tell them? Well, I just think I think selling is very noble. I think selling is it's a it's about giving another person certainty plus education um, with rapport, meaning that rapport is being on the same page with them. The what is the, What is the person's goals? What are their outcome? I mean, so we're always selling. So, for example, if a if a if a father is giving advice to a child. Um, then in, in their, in their good at giving that advice, meaning that the child listens to the advice and, and which is sometimes hard to do for a child to listen to a parent, but they're, they're selling, you're selling, you're selling them on, on here's the way you need to do things. And so, um, you know, I, I just think that salespeople are the primary source of confidence, motivation, hope, and certainty and customers decision to do things or not do things. And, and I think that, um, it's a very noble career, you know? And so, um, you know, it's interesting. I remember to follow through with that same story about T- when I was at, at TCU was a school and, you know, that school cost over a hundred thousand dollars a year to go to. And it's very, very expensive. Mm-hmm. And I, but I remember, you know, I, I had a sales job right out of college and I remember my, a good friend of mine at the time when my roommates in college, he said, you know, Hey, so, um, you know, how long are you going to do the sales job? You know, since you have this college degree, how long are you going to do the sales job? And I said, I don't understand what your question is. And he said, well, it just doesn't seem like it's the right fit, you know, uh, from a college graduate perspective. And I said, well, I'm making, I mean, right now I'm a year out of college, two years out of college. And I'm making $150,000 a year, you know, with a, with a, with a base of 30. And, uh, I said, how much are, what are you doing? And he says, mm-hmm. well, I'm a, I'm a banker at Wells Fargo and I'm making, you know, 45,000, but I'm on, I'm on a career path to get into management. And I said, great. Well, what, what does that do for you? And mm-hmm. he says, well, I mean, you know, eventually, you know, I'll make 75 or 80. Well, how long is that going to take? I don't know, maybe five to six, seven years. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm making 150 right now and I'm two years out of college. Right. And 
And I, think, I, I think, you know, <laughs> I get what you're saying. And on the other hand, too, I also know that it's it's for entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs, right? Some people are cut out for it, uh, Jason, as you know, and some are not. And a lot of people should not be in sales. Somebody should release them uh, from from that because yes, you can train people. That's your organization does, and I want you to talk about that. But sometimes the makeup, the personality, the person I remember. Like I was just like you. I could tell the same story, but I went into financial services and life insurance sales, and I was million-dollar roundtable and literally was making all this money, right? But it's really what you're doing for the people that drives a salesperson. They love helping people, right? And so, look, if, if you're somebody who likes to help people and solve problems and whatever it is you're selling, whether it's a house or a car or a or whatever it might be that you're selling, the point is, and in the end, you're fulfilling a need for somebody, right? And so you state that the book is for sales warriors that are under siege. How does your sales training differ and what do you offer that so many other sales training courses just don't get? I mean, look, I've been through everything from Dale Carnegie to Sandler to you name it to all kinds of other stuff. And the reason I picked you out is because I really did sense something different. Well, I appreciate that. So, I mean, my simple simple story is uh, when I was 25 years old, I was the head of sales training for a Fortune 500 company that uh, we sold houses and mortgages and insurance. And and um, and what I found is that my, my job was to go find a third-party sales training company, integrity selling, solution selling, spin selling, you know, you, you name it, whatever yeah. Miller Hyman, whatever they're at, they're out right. there. I was, my job was to go find them to be so that we could bring them in house and be certified by them and so forth. Well, I couldn't find anyone that was legit. I couldn't find anyone that was a street salesperson. It's this, it's the philosophy of those who can't do teach, you know, and, and unfortunately I'm, this is a pretty hard truth, but I think that majority of sales training is created by poser salespeople at best. Mm-hmm. And they, they just have no, like you said, they should not be in sales, but unfortunately they decided to do something even worse than that. They decided to get out of sales and then become a author and a teacher of their philosophy of selling that did not work. And so the reason why most people can't stand sales training is because you've got top producers in the room being taught by people that are way worse than them actually selling in the real world and they, they lose all the credibility. And so that's what warrior selling is. Warrior selling is it's, it's, in my opinion, it's the first and only sales training company that's created by a sales warrior that teaches relevant best practices on three areas. Number one, our mindset, our mental toughness as sales, because for a person to be in sales, they're betting on themselves. Mm-hmm. There's not a yeah. single other career out there besides maybe an entrepreneur, right? Besides being an entrepreneur, there's not a single career that you will go work for someone else that you're technically 100% betting on yourself. Mm-hmm. So for mm-hmm. example, if a normal nine to five job, a normal nine to five job, if they, if they, if they provide less value than what they're being paid, they're still going to probably keep their job. If a salesperson provides less value then they don't feed their family. Right. Right. It's a very and, different thing. Right. And so, you know, this world um, of sales has really gone through quite a transformation. Um, and I'm, I, I want to ask you what do you believe uh, 
in the psychology of selling. I remember Brian Tracy he had a thing called the psychology of sales, right? Sure. He's great. Brian, Brian is a good friend. I literally great, yeah. did courses with him, all kinds of things. What do you think has, uh, uh, because the advent of the internet and the ability of people to research so much and understand so much before they actually come to the salesperson, um, what has actually shifted in the people you see your training and how they have to approach a prospect and go through the sales cycle. It just means they have to be that much better. Uh-huh. So, so you, you, you just, the ultimate sales warrior has to know more than the prospect that they're talking to. Because mm-hmm. if, if, you don't, if, you as a, if you as a potential customer know more than the salesperson that you're talking to, then you don't need the salesperson. Mm-hmm. So for example, if, if, you know, if you go into, let's just take a retail purchase. So let's say, you know, uh, Greg, you're someone who's got lots of style and you love buying your own clothes and you're super into, you know, that kind of thing. And then you go into a retail store and the retail salesperson, um, has less style than you. You don't trust right. that salesperson. Right. Or has so less knowledge. Less yeah, knowledge, or, you know, knowledge. You know? Yeah. So, so the, the, the difference is, is that, is that we, you know, the standard is just much higher now. So we, yeah. the, the salesperson must be an advisor, and to be an advisor, you, you must know more than the customer that's in front of you, and and fortunately or unfortunately, that's constantly changing. Yeah. Well, you know, I look at people that have that in certain careers, Dave Anderson was just on his book in here, the intentional mindset kind of reminded me of you. And it was prior to that teaching car salesmen, car salesmen, right? And if you look at an industry that's been totally uprooted by the internet, Carvana, everything else, you're talking about car salesmen, right? It's like people mm-hmm. that are out there and I'm going to tell you not to go down the path, but in every experience I've had where I've gone in to buy a car, I've known more about the product than the actual car salesman. And it's unfortunate because I was going in for a good experience and I never have a good one. Even though I ultimately buy the car through them because I believe they deserve the commission, um, otherwise I'd use Carvana. The reality is, is that that's what it is, you know? And you mentioned that everyone is consistently in one of four states about where they are in life, what are the four mindsets and what needs to shift for them to be successful? I love this part of the book, actually. Well, so the four, thank you. The four states are, number one, my, and everyone needs to listen to this because you write these things down and ask yourself, you know, where you feel like you're in right now, like what you believe your system is. So number one is um, my life is about chance. So think of it. These are the people who say, you know what, it's just, it's about it's about the it's about it's about what I'm selling. It's about the economy. It's about the coronavirus, not the coronavirus. It's about the product that I have. It's about marketing. So my success in life is about it's about chance. Some people have it. Some people don't. You know, it's about luck. Uh, number two is my success in life is about programming, meaning that it's about um, it's about you know my my parents and my upbringing and my college. It's my, that I story. Went to. my story. My story. Yeah, my school that I went to, like all yeah. the education that I have, all yeah. the all the development along the way. It's the programming that's been along the way. My right. religious background, et cetera. Okay, right. that's programming. Right, right. Number three is but my belief system. So it's it's what what do I believe to be true? You know, what do I believe um, is true and not true in my level of success with myself? You know, mm-hmm. um, 
Like I always ask people all the time, you know, salespeople, you know, do you highly recommend yourself? It's always a funny thing to think about because, because mm-hmm. so many, so many people go, well, I don't know. Well, have you, would you ever say that to someone? I highly recommend to me, <laughs> you know, and it's just, no, people are like, I don't know. That seems arrogant, but does it though? No, it's because, not. You have to, you have to have confidence in yourself yeah. that you're as good or better than anybody else. Yeah. If you're not going to recommend you, Greg, then who in the world is going to recommend you? Exactly. <laughs> you know? I like that. So one. That's a self-image thing, right? Yeah. Now, yeah. one of the things that I believe is, is, is arrogance. You're just arrogant if you can't deliver. Yeah. Yeah. You know, arrogant is just, you can't deliver. Arrogant is, this is what I believe I can do for you. And then you don't follow through or you don't do it. That's arrogant. Right. But as long as you can follow through, you're just very confident and self-assured, which is okay. So number four is the fourth um, mindset is our beliefs, our, our success is our beliefs and our programming. So it's a combination of the, of the two, meaning it's, it's, here's my current mindset. Here's what I currently believe is possible for me. However, I know that, and this is an NLP thing, I know that, um, that I'm only as good as the resources that I have inside of me. Mm-hmm. But I also know that positive change always comes from adding more resources. Correct. That's so why if, I've been so, doing this right? show so, for 14 years. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's it. So, so, so to me, I mean, the fourth, the fourth mindset really is the best. And that is my beliefs are everything. What I believe to be true is 100% true. That's mm-hmm. number one. But then the second piece of that is, but at the same time though, if I keep adding more resources, my beliefs also change. Correct. Um, you know, look, we live in a world where we make stories up and then we begin to believe the stories we made up. So then we live the stories we made up. But all along, none of them were true. I remember uh, Byron Katie, she would always say to people, you know, is it true? Is it really true? You know, so here you are saying, hey, I'm going to divorce this person because they're a bastard, right? She's got them on stage and is saying, is it really true? Is it true? Period. You made it up right? Maybe they aren't so bad, right? Um, so you, 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 psychology in this is really important. And you have four questions that'll change every salesperson's life, you say. What are the four questions and why are they so important to obtaining success, whatever it's defined as for them, right? We're not talking about quota success here. We're talking about intrinsic motivation, not ex- extrinsic. And I think salespeople have a tendency, Jason, sometimes to get that wrong. They chase the next, you know, bright, shiny object. And the reality is, is when this comes from an NLP guy gets this, right? When it comes from the inside and it's an intrinsic motivator, it's about my purpose. It's about helping people. It's about that versus, no, I want to buy a new Ferrari or I need to get a bigger house or I want to whatever. The whole shift of a salesperson changes and they actually become more successful. That's very, that's very true. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and I mentioned, uh, I'm a big brand, Byron Katie fan as well. So one of the strategies in the book talks about Byron Katie and those, and those specific questions. Uh, and that's really just as a side note, that's really how I created the mindset book because to my belief system is that, you know, so many people, they, they, we, we all should read more books, but, but, um, what I wanted to do with this book, the mindset of sales warriors, there's 42 strategies. Well, when someone reads the book, um, basically what I did is I just read 42, different, you know, books out there. So for example, mm-hmm. like one of the strategies specifically talks about Byron Katie and how to, um, question 
our limiting beliefs that hold us back. And so what's great is this, the mindset book is like, a, it's like an executive summary to some regard of, of all of this mental toughness for sales. And then people can go deeper, you know, in the other things too. So, but as far yeah, as well, she's, question, she's been on the show a couple of times and, you know, I haven't heard much from her lately, but she was awesome. She was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, one of the things I always say is anything you want more of in your life, you want to add affirmations and anything you want less in your life, you want to question. So, so you want to create statements of affirmation for more things in your life and you want to create questions uh, to weaken the things that you don't want in your life. But as far as the four questions that every salesperson needs to, to, to master, and that is number one, um, you know, what, what, what is my focus today? So it's what, what is my focus? Where am I trying to go today? That's number one. The second question is why? So why is this important to me? And why is important in the sense of what is it going to bring me? Is it going to bring me more certainty, peace? Is it going to be more variety, fun? Is it going to bring me, you know, more significance? Make me feel like a better person? Is it going to bring me more love and connection in my life? Is it going to bring me more growth or more contribution to make a difference in the world? So the why is important um, to make sure that we're always answering that why must be greater than the sacrifice we're wanting to make or that we need to make. And number three is the how. So how are we going to get there? And then number four is um, is the whose coaching do we need? You know, so where are we stuck, and what resources do we need in order to get there? So again, what is my focus for today? So what's my what's my one target for today? Why is this my focus? What what will this bring me in my life? How am I going to get there? What's my process pattern strategy? And then kind of whose coaching do I need? Where am I stuck? So Jason, one of the issues that I think salespeople have is. And, and it's not because of the world we live in. It's because they don't know how to manage the tools in which the world we live in. And the worst thing a salesperson can do is not be present. Uh, present in the now. Because the cell phone beeped or they're thinking about the imagined future or the dead past and they can't stay focused now. What, what advice would you have in this busy, always-on world for a salesperson who probably has lots of sales calls to make? They're sitting with a prospect, and they're having a difficulty staying present. Because uh, if there's any one thing that a prospect or a client understands is somebody being with them. Mm. Well, it's interesting you say that. So that's actually my newest course that we just created. It's called it's called it's called uh, the energies uh, the energies of the complete sales warrior, and it's the six energies that we talk about um, are one presence, two is um, uh, expression, three is uh, is claim, uh, four is um, uh, surrender, five is penetration, and six is imitation. So I had to kind of go through my memory on that one. But the first one is presence. And the thing that we, t- we talk about in presence is it's all about contact. So it's all about tuning the world out and that person in. It's all about um, really, really feeling like when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm talking to you, that I'm having a conversation with not just your mind, but I'm having a conversation with your heart and with your soul and that we really are in that in that connection and having that contact with each other. Yeah, um, but that's I think everything. It's important. And, yeah. It is, and I and the reason I brought it up is number one, I knew you had studied neuro linguistic programming, and I, and I the other thing that I uh, get is that your training 
if there's any one difference, and now you're telling me about this new program you've come up with, so it just shows you that your company is moving toward products and services that they see a demand for because of the kind of world in which we live. You know, um, I just did an interview with a girl by the name of April Rennie. I'm going to highly recommend the book comes out in August, but it's about in Kindle now called Flux, the eight superpowers um, for thriving in constant change. And one of the things that, um, you know, I get from that, Jason, is that the salespeople have the most challenge with Flux. Um, and it's not because of their education. It's simply because of the pipeline. So the pipeline that feeds going in has these prospects, right? And in the old theory, we're supposed to pull out as many as we can from the pipeline. And so they start to manage an awful lot. Um, and so it has a hard time keeping him present. So speak about your mastery pyramid and why salespeople should strive to train mastery. Also, along with those lines, would you give advice and, and uh, how you would have, they, they, they drowned out the noise that distracts them from mastery. So that's where this question was going about staying present. You know, there's a lot of noise out there. And if you're going to obtain mastery, I want you to listen to what Jason has to say, whether you're a salesperson or not. If you're just into personal growth, um, the pyramid is not exactly Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but it looks like it when you'll see it in the book. Um, but talk with us about that, if you would. Cool. Yeah. So that, so that mastery pyramid is actually used at many, many corporations. They have it all printed up all over their walls and stuff. So uh, if everyone can kind of picture a pyramid, at the bottom of the pyramid, the first level is plain to not lose. So plain to not lose. So plain to not lose from a salesperson's perspective is they just kind of clock in and clock out. They're a nine to five uh, salesperson and their ultimate goal in life is, man, I hope I don't get fired. Like that really is like the voice in their head. I hope I don't get fired. You know, I hope people don't catch me clocking in and clocking out, but that's, that's just really all, all they are. The next level above that is, is uh, plane to cruise. And so plane to cruise is really interesting. This is an interesting one for me. And that is, um, whenever I go into any organization and I say, Hey, you know, right now we're going to write on a piece of paper. What is kind of the um, not the naughty number, not the nice number, meaning like what's the number of production on in units or in revenue that if a salesperson is making this number, they, they really aren't on any list. You know, they're not on the list to be fired, but they're not on the list to get a raise either. They're kind of just flying under the radar. Like what is that number, you know? And so for example, in home sales, it's two a month. In mortgages, it's a million a month. In cars, it's eight a month. I mean, like I can tell you right now, I mean, every industry I talk to, I ask the number and it's always, it's just, they always know the number, you know? Right, right. Well, that's playing to cruise. So playing to cruise is I know what the number is. And that's and what I'm going to sell to. Yeah. And I'm just going to yeah. stay in that number, you know? Yeah. The next level up is called play to compete. Now play to compete is... I call it legal cheating. So these are these are your high revenue producers and organizations, but they're also your least profitable. They're least profitable because they're the ones that do such a great job of convincing their boss to give that one more incentive, that one more deal, that one more discount. So again, they're making a ton of money in revenue themselves as a salesperson. It, they look good on paper because they're probably one of your highest producers, 
but they're unethical because they're, again, they're giving constant discounts or they're constantly causing problems. Uh, they're the ones that they feel it's better to knock other people down than it is to build other people up. So plan to compete. Jack Welch would call them high, high producing, low integrity people. And we need to get rid of those people. So that's, that's plan to compete. The next level up is called uh, plan for improvement. So for improvement is how can I be better than I was yesterday? I see the value in personal growth. I see the value in change. And so how can, how can I be better? Then right above that is playing for the challenge. That's different. Playing for the challenge is my biggest competitor now is my personal best. So as a salesperson, if it if my current conversion rate is one out of ten, well, playing for the challenge is man, how do I make it you know uh, um, you know two out of ten, right? Mm-hmm. How do I make it just that much better, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's playing for the challenge. And then the last is playing for mastery, and that playing for mastery, you know, again, I would say one percent of the human race is probably here, and this is that place of. Just that never-ending pursuit of just how can I be better? And it's it's a game. When you're at playing for mastery, you're in this place of flow. You're in this place of the zone. You know, you just, it's just different. Like when, for example, when uh, when Peyton Manning finally retired, you know, people said, hey, did you master football? You know, and Peyton Manning said, he goes, you don't ever master football. Right. He goes, right. it's just, he goes, I'm just, I, I just, I figured out how to constantly be better and make adjustments and tweaks along the way. But so the paradox of the mastery pyramid is when you're actually at mastery, you realize that you'll never actually be at mastery. <laughs> you know, so that's it's, like the it's true. The you know, I've thing. I've had the honor and pleasure of having a couple of people that have have, have deceased, but one was George Leonard. And if you never read the book Mastery, um, you should, uh, because George was the founder of Estelon. Um, which is a famous training center on in Big Sur. The second gentleman is Larry Wilson from Wilson Learning. And his uh, claim to fame was working with Maslow at the university and a thing called consultative selling. Mm-hmm. Now, um, actually, Larry was a very good personal friend. He used to stay here at the house. And while you were saying playing not to lose – you're going to get a gift from me, which is a Larry Wilson's book called Play to Win. Oh, um, and I will send that to you because there's nobody was in there was nobody in my estimation better in the consultative sales arena than Larry Wilson and Wilson Learning. I grew the organization to 623 people before he sold wow. it to Japanese. So quite quite the um, guy who knew knew that. Now, Jason, you state that all achievement in our life boils down to one simple formula, and you call it performance uh, equals knowledge minus leashes. And I love the leashes part because then in the part of the book, you then outline all these leashes, these, these, these tie-downs. I'm going to call them tie-downs because they kind of are leashes. What do you mean by the formula? And please explain or explain the four leashes described in the book. I think this is another important element of this book, the leashes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so so performance is what we do. Knowledge is what we've been taught to do. So in life, we would hope it would be performance equals knowledge, meaning that, Greg, you know, there's been – so much wisdom that that that, that, that in, from podcasters, you know, people from guests that have been on your podcast, and you know they've taught something, right? They've given them some sort of pearl, some sort of knowledge. Well, okay, well then, wh- why don't people just take that knowledge, whatever that is, that's so great, 
And why don't they just go do it, which will be performance. So it, it should be in life, performance equals knowledge, but that would presuppose that we don't have free will. So the reason why it's performance equals knowledge minus leashes is because we can choose to follow through with the great knowledge or choose to not follow through with it. We can choose to, to, to learn something and immediately go execute it and therefore turn it into performance and therefore results. Or we can choose to say, you know what, what a great idea. I'm just not going to do it today. Okay. So, so that's performance equals knowledge, knowledge minus leashes. So what are the leashes that hold us back? Well, the leashes are number one, self-image. So they might right. say, you know what? I don't feel confident doing that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like me. It doesn't feel like my identity. It doesn't sound natural or authentic to me. These are the kind of things we hear a lot. Number two is a story. And a story is uh, something outside of, well, you know what? I'll, I'll try that when the economy gets better or when we stop wearing masks or when the coronavirus thing goes away or when we can stop being over Zoom in our meetings and we can be face-to-face again. That's a story. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Number three is a reluctance and reluctance is a fear. I don't want to come across too pushy or, you know, that's my friend. I, I, I treat my friends differently, my family differently. You know, that's an upmarket clientele. That's an older buyer. Older buyers need to be. So I'm not going to do that with the older buyers. That's a reluctance. And then last is a rule. And a rule is anything we need to see, feel, or hear in order to give ourselves permission to engage. And so think of a rule like, as long as the customer is smiling, then I'll do it. As long mm-hmm. as they're nodding yes, then I'll do it. As long mm-hmm. as they're leaning in, then I'll do it. As long as uh, they're not in a rush, then I'll do it. As long as it's the third conversation with them, then I'll do it. As long as all the decision makers are present, then I'll do it. And so what happens is salespeople create way too many rules for themselves. And I will tell you that in 100% of my studies, when I, when I do the research on the top producer versus the bottom producer, and I figure out how many rules they have, the top producer always has substantially less rules than the bottom producer. Right, right. I always remember going to sales sim. Uh, I'm just going to call them symposiums because there were thousands of people there. And Zig Ziglar used to get up and say, "It's not your aptitude that determines your altitude; it's your attitude." Now that's a mm-hmm. statement that's been around forever and has stuck with me. You know, you think about it, and really everything you've just said there intrinsically is about our attitude about ourself, someone else, whatever it is, those leashes, right? It's like, hey, if you can shift your attitude, you can do almost anything, right? You have the ability to set the world on fire, as they say, or go sell whatever. So I think that that's really important. And you state that every human being is on the quest to fill their six human needs. Um, What are the needs and what advice would you give the listeners about fulfilling those needs. I mean, I think just what I me mean, one, again, we need to make sure we understand the six human needs. So again, the need of safety, security, which is certainty, the need of variety, which is to have fun, the need of significance to feel like we matter and we're important, the need of love and connection with other people, mm-hmm. um, the need of growth to feel like I'm getting better and the need of contribution to feel like I'm making a difference. And so, so what, the advice that I would have is, um, number one, this is a really fun exercise, is you take those six human needs, certainty, variety, significance, love and connection, growth and contribution, and then do a simple exercise where you ask yourself, what's your primary need and what's your not least and most, most important need? So, for Greg, for you, 
Like, what would you need, say right now? What, is, what would you say of, of those needs, if you could only pick one that you could have and fulfill the rest of your life, that would be most important to, to what would you say? Is it certainty? Is it variety? Is it significance? Love and connection, growth or contribution? I'd say it's variety. Okay, good. I what love variety. <laughs> good. What would you say is your least important one? Um, give me the, the, what was the last one you did? Give it to so me certainty, again. variety, significance, love and connection, growth and contribution. I, I, not, they all are very high sure. for me. It's very hard for me. It, uh, if I was to rank them, the, probably the, the top one would be significance, making a difference. Uh, and the least important one then would probably be variety. I'd put it, I'd just change it the other way around. You oh, said, so you're like, saying that you're saying the least important one for you would be variety then. Yep. Yep. Okay, the first one would be significance. Making a difference. Okay. Well, that, so making a difference for yourself or making a difference for others? Uh, both. Okay. Got it. Got it. Good. Yeah. So what would happen is what's interesting about this is, so step one is you need to rank the six human needs in your own way. So you need to, because everyone's different. It's like your own map of the world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you rank your six human needs and then, and every salesperson needs to rank their six human needs and then ask themselves, okay, well, you know, how can I, how can the achievement of my goal that I'm working on right now, how can it fulfill these needs? And is it fulfilling these needs? And if it's not, then that's probably why you're not successful at your goal right now. Mm-hmm. So it's very important. It also, the six human needs um, works really, really well when it comes to understanding other people. So we teach the six human needs psychology as well when it comes to selling. So for example, becoming the missing need for your customer. So let's say your customer, the reason why they're not happy with their current product or service is their current product or service is not giving them certainty. Well, then you better, you better make sure that you give them certainty or it's not giving them variety and change. We'll give them that. It's not giving them significance, give them that. So you become the missing need for what your customer is, is not getting in their current product service supplier, vendor, et cetera. I always remember the sales burger, attention, interest, conviction, desire, close. And I always thought, Jason, you know, even though that's that, I'm not saying it's old school. There are certainly elements in there that are still quite valuable. But the closing part to me was always the part that just didn't make sense because I I didn't really, in all the years that I need, I didn't need to put pressure on people to close them because I'd done all the steps prior to that. I always thought, well, it's, you know, what, what's this whole idea of closing? Um, how many deals did you close? You closed them because people, you had a high degree of trust and people trusted you and signed on the bottom line. Um, now, you speak about having a great support structure around you. And I think this is really important, um, that we need feedback from the right people that are in our support structure, thus mastermind groups and things that people go to and people that they respect that have accomplished what they'd like to accomplish, right? So hang around. I always said, don't hang around with the people that are in the lower half. Hang around with the people that are doing much better than you uh, and that you respect. What makes these support structures so important uh, to a salesperson or any person's growth? Well, I just think that our coaching along the way makes all the difference. Yeah. You know, that, that we are where we are in life because 
we had people that saw more in us than we saw in ourselves. And I think that one of the, the um, leading factors uh, that separates the top producers from everyone else is they had more people that saw more in them than they saw in themselves. And, and, that, that's, and that's reiterated a lot. And one of our programs is called Leadership Sales Coaching, which is listed as the number one sales management training program in the world right now, which is very exciting. Um, and we also apply that concept to our recruiting program. So we have a recruiting. We'll recruit salespeople for you and recruit sales management for you. And then we train them. We train the salespeople and the sales managers how to be successful. Uh, but that support structure is everything. And so what, what I would encourage everyone that's listening right now is if you're not getting the support that you need from your manager, or even if you're not getting it from your significant other, your partners in life, then you need to go demand it. Interesting. Interesting. Well, you know, that's about being, uh, uh, taking, um, I don't even call it a risk. I've got a podcast right after you that the guy is a university professor done all this thing about speaking up and asking for what you need and how important that is in today's world. Um, you know, look, as I went through your book, Jason, and again, for all our listeners who are out there, uh, all you need to do is go to the website, which is fpg.com. You're going to see videos there. You're going to see the sales training. You can get more information. But go to Amazon and pick up this book. We're going to have a link in the blog. Uh, this is a great way for you to get introduced uh, to Jason's firm and to understand what it is they do and the philosophy behind the sales training that he has. Um, really the mindset that he wants to create for every salesperson out there. And I want to commend you because this is needed. And you just said you have one that was just recognized at the number one uh, training program. Now, obviously, we didn't get a chance to cover this whole book, and it's filled with great advice for salespeople of today. Uh, and I and the reason I underlined today, because it is about we're in an evolving world. Everything's changing. And if you were to leave any salesperson listening with this or sales manager with the three most important takeaways from the mindset of the sales warrior, what would, what would they be? What would you want to tell them? Uh, we've had a great interview this morning, but the reality is when it comes down to the punchline, it's they want to incorporate something into their life. They want to take away. Um, what can I take away from this that's just I just have to do? Great, great question. Um, and also, if you go to Audible, then the you can get the audio version of the Mindset of Sales Warrior. Well, I, I will read each strategy to you in my soothing voice. And, uh, and my wife and president, Mary Marshall Forrest, she and I discuss every strategy after I read it. So it's we have a nice little bonus. There's bonus content in there at the Audible version, which is fun. Great. Um, so I would say, so, so three things. Uh, you know, Number one is that... Um, that, that every day you must wake up and you must decide, you know, what are you wanting to accomplish every day and why is it important for you and how is it going to improve your life and what is your strategy on how to get there and then where are you stuck? So what kind of coaching do you need? So you've got to live your life every day based on that purpose uh, to, to move forward, to move towards life improvement and move away from that pain. Uh, number two is I, I, that you, you have to you have to constantly tell yourself 
that you're doing the best you can with the resources you have and that positive change always comes from adding more resources. So if you're not making the kind of money that you want to make, then, then you need to find the resources. It's the podcast. It's the, it's the training from us. It's something you've got to find something to give you that, that edge, uh, that you can do better. And the reason why I say that is because so often people say to me, you know, Jason, I just can't make, you know, uh, the kind of money that I want to make in this job. And I'll go, um, well, is anyone else making the kind of money you want to make in this job? Well, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, Rick, Rick is the top sales guy and he's making, you know, a hundred thousand dollars more than me. And I said, well, it's, it's possible then it's just not possible for you right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I don't, don't, don't give up on the job. Right. It's not the job you want to change. You want to change you. You want to right. change your actions, you know? Right. Right. And then, and then I would say, you know, I would say number three is that, um, is, you know, just constantly live your life by that formula performance equals knowledge minus leashes. And, you know, if you find something that's, it's game changing, if you find a concept that you think will totally change your life, then ask yourself, what stops you from doing this 100% of the time and do the self work, do the Byron Katie work, do the work for that we teach, do the work from whatever that says, you know, what is the story, self-image reluctance or rule that's holding you back from doing this? If this is so great, then why aren't you doing it? Well, and frequently, I think when people ask that question, Jason, if they have any understanding of psychology at all, they'll find out that the stories that we talked about and the ego that literally is there saying, you know, hey, you're not enough, you you know, that story gets ingrained in a lot of salespeople. So they get stuck at certain plateaus. They can't break through the plateaus because the, uh, the self-talk that's going on inside the brain that's, you know, just constantly moving around is not the most positive self-talk. So to break through that, listen to what Jason has says, because that's important. Uh, Read this book, right? And if you don't read it, listen to it on Audible. We'll have the link to Audible as well. Um, The great thing about this book for salespeople is, look, this is something you should probably carry. I'm going to say this, Jason, as like like a Bible. And the reason I say that is because the way these chapters are written, you know, learn, unlearn, replay, right? They're all about like three, four pages. You know, um, you're, you're literally going to be able to like take anything out of here and apply it every day. You could literally take one of these chapters and apply it each day. So kudos to you and Mary, the team. You got a great team there in Dallas. Appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. Thanks so much, uh, Jason, and thanks for writing a great book on how to get salespeople beyond where they are now. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.